Hi everyone and welcome back to Marketing Made Easy by Jotful. I'm your host, Don Verbrigge. This is a really exciting show today. We have Cynthia Hackler-Flynn. She's the founder of Hackler-Flynn & Associates, which is a law firm based out of Pasadena, California. She started just with a single client that she got from her local chamber of commerce and has now grown her business to this nine person firm. She's gonna to talk to us today about how she went from networking her butt off basically to realizing that wasn't scalable and finding new and interesting ways to grow her law firm. So you're really gonna enjoy this episode, stay tuned. Welcome to Marketing Made Easy by Jotful. I'm Don Verbrigge, Jotful CEO, two-time entrepreneur, former business school professor, and your host. I'm here to have practical and fun conversations with people who know a thing or two or three about how to get more customers for your business. Great. Welcome, Cynthia. So this is Cynthia Hackler-Flynn, and she is the founder of a law firm called Hackler-Flynn & Associates. And thank you so much for joining the show today, Cindy. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Don. So, Cynthia, can you tell us a little bit about your firm today? What do you do? How big is it? Just to give us an idea of where you are right now. Sure. So, my firm is located in Pasadena. We are a team of 11. We have five attorneys on staff, um, all full-time, all of whom have you know between 10 and 20 years of legal experience. And, you know, we focus all on protecting and defending business owners and employment lawsuits. Mm -hmm. Great. And you started this all by yourself. You were a one person show at the very beginning. And what I, I love about your story is how you decided, well, um, I'm not going to just say that I'm setting out and starting a law firm. You said, let me see if I can get one client. If I can get one client, then I have a firm. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you initially started? Yes, of course. So I was working at a law firm in Irvine. And um, my boss, who I deeply respect and admire, left the firm to start her own practice. Mm. And, you know, I started talking about like, okay, well, that seems like a great idea. But I started thinking about, well, how, how would I do that? Right. And so I I knew if I could just get one client, I could (laughs) have something here. And so, um, you know, I I started networking in person. Mm-hmm. I started with the Irvine Chamber of Commerce because sure. it, it met like across the street from my office. So it couldn't have been more, um, you know, a good fit. And I got one client. And yeah. I got another client and <laughs> I got another client. And I ended up getting three clients from the Irvine Chamber of Commerce. And they were all small businesses. Mm-hmm. One was a staffing company. One was a CPA company. And one was a flower shop. And, um, yeah, so from there, I, um, you know, I took on those clients and, you know, officially left my job and part of And, um, and so So now you're thinking, well, this networking thing works, right? I got three clients. I was able to quit my job. This works. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And. So, um, you know, I started going to like more networking because, you know, I told my parents and they are both business owners, by the way, they used to run a company and, um, well, to give you some major background, they they ran this printing company in the eighties and it was called Gap Printing. G stood for Glenn, my dad's name, A stood for Angie, my mom's name, and then P stood for printing. 
And as a kid, I got to go in and see what it was like to run a business and Mm -hmm. what it was like to have employees and how difficult those things can be. And through the years of my parents running this business, it was in Orange, in the Orange Circle, if you know California. And, um, you know, they came up against some really difficult employment law issues. I mean, Mm -hmm. one employee fell down the flight of stairs that we had, and she had to have screws in her ankle. Another employee would show up late to work. Another employee with a knife. Another employee drunk. Another employee was my dad's sister. (laughs) (laughs) A good fit. And so all these things, like, just tore my parents apart. They ended in bankruptcy and divorce. And so I knew as a kid, I was going to be a lawyer, not a bankruptcy lawyer. No offense if you are one. Right, right. Or a divorce attorney. Or definitely not. (laughs) Right, Like that is messy and heavy and Mm -hmm. his heart is in it. And so, but I knew I wanted to protect like small and medium sized business owners. So um, I ended up getting a job at an employment law firm in high school and located in Mission Viejo. In and high school. Right? Wow. Yeah, that was my first job as <laughs> a lawyer or as a, a, as at a law firm. I was definitely not a lawyer. I was in right. But um, I ended up being there for eight years through high school, through college, wow. through law school, and then, you know, got out of law school, worked for a different few different firms and then started my own practice. Wow. That's such a great founding story. I love the inspiration for it. I'm willing to bet that a lot of the business owners listening today also have parents who are entrepreneurs. This is a pretty typical, pretty typical um, thing to see because when you have parents who are entrepreneurs, which by the way, I do as well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You just, you, you, you experience business in a completely different way. I used to teach management classes at a university and I was just shocked by the number of students that didn't know the difference between revenue and profit. And I think that I knew that as an elementary school student, because it's just part of the dinner table conversation when you're in a family of entrepreneurs. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Even I will say this, my husband runs a business too, and he's in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. He has like a hundred employees. And, you know, when I was working at that firm before leaving and starting my own thing, we would always be butting heads like, oh my gosh, you're so mean to your employees. You're making them work, you know, the day after Thanksgiving and Uh uh, they deserve it off. And now I'm like, team, we got to get to work the day. I need you the day after Thanksgiving. (laughs) I mean, I do give them the day off, but you get what Mm -hmm. I mean. Like you just come at it with two different like mindsets. Yeah. Actually, that's really interesting as somebody who specializes in employment law that you've grown the firm to a place where you have employees. So you're personally experiencing some of the things you're talking to business owners about. It's not a foreign concept where you're a solo practitioner and you're just generally speaking about employment law, which you've never personally really experienced yourself. Yes. Which is what I love so much, right? Like I, I I mean, I haven't been sued by one of my employees, knock on wood, but thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I so experienced so much of what one of my clients is going through. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've had parents deal with it. I've had my husband's business deal with it. Like my brother runs a business and he's been in some partnership disputes in the past. It just happens and it's just a part of business. And so I feel like I'm getting sidetracked off of networking, <laughs> but I'm like so passionate about employment law. Yeah. 
where we can to protect our, our businesses. So, okay. So let's, let's dial it back and let's start to make some connections and kind of reverse engineer this process. So you start out as a solo practitioner, you get those first three clients through networking at the chamber of commerce and then bada, bada, boom. Now you have multiple employees and you have a proper law firm, obviously a lot of stuff happened in the middle. So can you talk to us about, you know, what happened after you started joining more networking organizations? Well, so I thought the Irvine Chamber of Commerce was so great. And it is, I love that organization, but I thought, well, why not join every single chamber? (laughs) So then I was a part of the LA Chamber of Commerce and the Beverly Hills Chamber of Commerce and every single chamber of commerce, basically in Orange County and LA. And then you know, I'm like, well, what about other networking organizations, right? So then I've tried BNI and I love Pro. Yeah. It's one of my favorite organizations. Um, and I'm a group leader there, but like mm-hmm. I've tried ProVisors and BNI and EO Entrepreneurs Organization and like sure. all of these other things in order to, you know, connect with more clients. And then I look at my list, Don, of how many things <laughs> I'm going get any legal work done. Yeah, exactly. You're spending all your time. One of the things that we do when we're marketing is when we find something that works, we want to double down on it, but not every single marketing tactic is scalable, right? And networking is only scalable to a certain level, especially when you're early on in your business and you're the person who's both getting the business and doing the work, right? So how did you then figure out, okay, I mean, you were at 16 networking organizations at the peak, right? How did you look at those 16 networking organizations? and say, how, how do I choose which ones are worth it? Well, so I'm very metric focused, right? And so Great. I think every business, you need to know your KPIs, your key mm-hmm. performance indicators, have your metrics. And so I started looking into, okay, well, how, how much business am I getting from each organization? Yeah. Right. And that helped me kind of pare down like what I was going to, right? Because mm-hmm. if you go to one event in one organization. And then the next week you're at another event with another organization, you're not forming that bond or connection. But as you said, it's not scalable at all. I can, right. I can only be at one place at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So then um, I started seeing if I can do like blog articles and then you hear all this stuff mm. about SEO and what you can do um, to, you know, boost up um, website views. Right. Uh-huh. And I, to be honest, Don, I've never tried pay per lead. I know with law firms, it can be $60 a click, $120 a click, and it can get really expensive very fast. Just so the audience um, understands what that is, because we see it in the real estate industry as well. In the real estate industry, you see it with Trulia and Realtor.com, these kinds of places. When homeowners are searching on those sites, they can indicate interest in a property, and then the agent ends up paying for every single lead that comes through there. Similar thing in the legal services industry through something like NOLA, for example, you can get get leads through that. But yeah, you you pay quite a bit per lead. You don't know if you're going to win the deal. You're going to win the client. Um, so you didn't, you didn't, you didn't do that, even though that is, by the way, the most typical way that law firms grow beyond the initial networking. Right. So I didn't do the um, like Google advertising. You know, right. I, I tried to do organic advertising, not advertising, I guess, but like putting things out there that people, business owners specifically, because we practice employment law, and we don't represent employees. We right. represent owners, and so putting out like a series of articles about 
what a business owner would type in in order to see, you know, if they're compliant with the law. And, you know, in California, we had AB5 go into effect last year, which talks about independent contractors and employees. So I put together this whole, you know, kind of series about independent contractors for different businesses. And it, it turned out going over pretty well where people can type in, um, you know, can I have independent contractors as um, a hair salon or can I have independent contractors as a nail salon? And so yeah. I did like very targeted um, written content. And of course, yeah. it took a long time to produce that content because you yeah. have to make sure it's, you know, it's coming from a lawyer. It's coming from a law firm. So you have to make sure it's accurate. You can't just hire somebody to write it for you. Yeah. So just to touch on that quickly, is yeah. there some kind of regulation in your industry when it comes to advertising? And I know it's typical in financial services as well. There's a ton. You yeah. Know, you, um, you know, certain uh, avenues of lawyers are known as ambulance chasers and things like that. That's yeah. actually not allowed. Um, right. It's a term, but, um, but yeah, there are specifics. And so even if you go to our website, you have to click on a disclaimer. I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then every single blog article, there's a disclaimer on the bottom. Like Mm -hmm. not creating an attorney client relationship. If you put something through our contact us form, you know, we're always happy to do so, Mm -hmm. but we want to make sure we're running the conflict check so that there's no conflict between our clients and doing everything, of course, on the up and up. We'll hear more from our guest right after this brief break. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a business owner. And if you're a business owner in need of a new website, but you really don't want to build it yourself, check out Jotful. Jotful will build you a professional website that both looks great and includes all the marketing best practices. So we'll actually get the job done for your business. And it's affordable. In fact, it's only about 10% of what you typically expect to pay an agency or designer. Even better, you can give it a try today for free. At Jotful, we'll make you a free sample website so you can see if it's a good fit for your business before you ever even sign up. Visit us at Jotful.com to request a free sample website for your business. That's J-O-T-T-F-U-L.com. And now back to the show. Yeah. You know, that's one of the tricks in industries that are highly regulated. A lot of those business owners are fearful of doing content marketing because of the process you have to go to, to get things approved or because of the liability in putting out something that is not factual. You actually didn't do the thing that is most typical, which is paper lead for your industry. And you did content marketing, which is less typical, but I can see that it has worked for you because what you've been able to do is create really, really niche content that appeals to a very, very specific audience. And it has allowed you to start to show up in search results for those particular topics, which is driving traffic back to your website. Exactly. exactly. It's great. How did you decide to take that risk? I mean, what, what inspired you to do that? Because it is counterintuitive for somebody in your industry. It is. It definitely is. But, you know, it's just when you put information out on the website, you have to have something that's relevant and valuable that people are even interested in reading. Mm -hmm. And I knew if I spent the time doing targeted um, articles for the types of clients that I'm hoping to attract, 
it would go so much farther than going to one networking meeting at, yeah. you know, in a random city that I don't practice most, right. of, you know? And so it's just, um, it, it's, I, I don't know. It just made sense to me over, mm-hmm. over the time, over time. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a word for this, which is evergreen. So when you go to, when you drive from Pasadena to Beverly Hills for a meeting, you've got the commute in both directions and you've got the time that you spend there. And once that meeting is over and your commute is done, it's like that never happened, right? Like poof, it's gone. And it's the same thing with organic social media. The post goes up and it's there for, you know, maybe a couple of hours in people's feeds and then poof, it's gone. But the kind of content you have done where you have created these very specific blog posts, they're evergreen. They're there forever. It doesn't matter if somebody, if you wrote it a year ago, today people can still access that content. So it's interesting because the kind of content you're marketing that you're doing has a very slow burn in that you have to do it for a while before you start to achieve any results. It's not immediate. And in the beginning, it's like, you know, trees are falling in the forest. You're writing a bunch of content and nobody is seeing it. (laughs) It can be really demoralizing when nobody's actually looking at the content you're spending a bunch of time producing. How did you decide, okay, I'm going to keep plugging ahead with this, even though my competitors aren't doing it. It's not the strategy they're using and I'm not getting a lot of traffic yet. You know, it's just, it, I, so I also send out um, e- like emails to mm-hmm. my my current clients, my past clients, and then any potential clients, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I always do like a litmus test of would my husband read it? Because he runs a business, he's very busy, <laughs> he gets a million emails a day. He doesn't like emails. He's yeah, an entrepreneur. He's you know dyslexic and doesn't like anything lengthy. You know. Yeah. The content that I produce, which is similar to what I do on the website, is basically would my husband read it? You know, it's <laughs> like Hi Dawn. You know, yeah. the Uber commissioner just came out with this new thing. You need to know X Y Z. Period. That's it. Yeah. Or, hey, did you know now um, anti sexual harassment training is free? Here's a link. Period. That's it. So it's like yeah. very basic, very tailored three sentences, the whole thing, because nobody cares. Let's face it. Nobody cares that I've hired this new attorney. I look at her. She's great. She has all this experience and she's won every single trial and this and that, like nobody cares. Right. (laughs) How is that going to affect my Oh, you know what? You know, what's hilarious about this is that is sort of exactly the opposite approach of the content that my law firm sends to me for our business. Um, I can tell you, I got one from them just last week with a summary of a recent case here in Michigan. And it talked all about, you know, this case and the whole thing, this whole email could have been summarized with a sentence that said, don't do things that are racist and unethical. Boom. You <laughs> you know? right? Yes. Why waste people's time? Right? Why waste people's time? Just don't be a racist. There you go. Right. Okay. Check. I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. Like we we had a new Supreme Court case come out um, earlier this year, and it talked about rounding and all the law firms because you know I get other law firm stuff and yeah. I want to see going on. They all wrote this huge long thing about here's the facts of the case and here's what happened. All they needed. <sighs> would say, do not round lunch breaks. Right? <laughs> like if you're doing that, stop it immediately. Let's, let's work on changing it. Yeah. It's not, it's not complicated. Yeah. Right? 
And it is so helpful that you have your husband in mind. In, in marketing, this is called a persona. It's the individual you're writing for in fashion, you call the muse, right? But it's the person that you're creating stuff for. It's super, super helpful. And it makes it a lot easier to write content when yeah. you're doing that. But by the way, you're not just writing content. So you started with a blog post, but you're doing more media now, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I mean, I try to do as many speaking engagements as possible as mm-hmm. well. Uh, my goal every year is a hundred. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love how, I love how metrics fo- focused right. you are. So you set a goal at the beginning of the year to a hundred speaking engagements. And what does that include? In-person speaking engagements, podcasts, all that co- stuff. So in the, like before COVID, you know, yeah. my goal last year was, I thought it was going to be a hundred speaking engagements. And then in right. March, I took the sign home from my reception area and yeah. <laughs> because I knew everything was going on Zoom. So yeah. any, you know, any Zoom meeting, of course, any in-person meeting, any podcast, any radio show, yeah. any, any, anything where I have like at least 20 minutes of airtime, you know, yeah. I, and how is it that you're able to book a hundred events a year? Do you have help for this? Oh God, no, I wish I did. Oh my gosh. So yeah. Cindy, how much of your day is spent doing business development versus how much is spent being a manager or even being a lawyer? It's, it's primarily focused on business development because I'm the only attorney in the office who brings in business yep. and managing the team, you know? Yep you get to, you should really only have like seven people under you. That's kind of the magic number. And it I is, have yeah. more than that, but uh-huh. um, that, that really takes up a lot of time. And why I think that's important is because honestly, Don, every single lawyer who works with me is way smarter than me. I'm <laughs> so, they're all awesome. They can all take a case from, you know, the complaint, the very beginning to the very end of trial. And they are, they are so awesome. So I'm really, really lucky to have a really good team. Yeah. I have a policy of trying to hire people who are smarter than me. Um, I think it just makes good business sense. Yes. It makes your whole business better, right? Oh, so much. Yes. They, they can help you grow and think about things that you might not be thinking of. So, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So you do all of these speaking events, which you find on your own, which is amazing. Um, and you still have the regular articles, but you have some help with that, right? You work yes. with a content marketing agency. So, so what, what do they, what do they do versus what do you do? Because the content is very specific related to the legal organization, related to the legal profession. Yes, definitely. And so anything that they draft, I either look at before publishing or have one of my attorneys on my team look at. That way I know it's, you know, 100% something that our firm can stand behind. Um, And then with the speaking things too, I have one of my attorneys basically draft, help me draft the content of what I'm going to be talking about. And then Mm -hmm. I have the media company make it look pretty (laughs) because Because I I love my team, but the way our PowerPoint looks after they get done with it, it's all words like this, no picture, no happiness. And it's just like word vomit. And so I have them like spruce it up and make it look very clean and professional. Oh, fantastic. So that that's the help that you have today. So you're producing content for all of the events that you're speaking at which includes, you know, online events, podcasts, and so forth. You're continuing to produce the regular blog content, although that's being first draft is being written by this outside content marketing yeah. agency. 
Yeah. Um, so this is where your focus is now. You're just really into content marketing and what percentage of your business is coming in from content now versus referrals and stuff. I would say it's probably 50, 50. We still get a lot of referrals from, you know, current clients, past clients, but I would say about 50% of our business coming in now finds us through internet searches. Yeah. I think that that's really healthy because it really says two things. Number one, you're not growing too rapidly. If you were growing too rapidly, it would be difficult for you to continue to manage all of the (laughs) direct reports that you have. And you are in a place where you're going to have to start creating levels of hierarchy, right? Where you're going to be managing managers soon enough. But, you know, growing at a pace that you can manage is is really good. And then the other 50%, which is coming from referrals, is telling me that you have really satisfied customers, right? Really satisfied clients. And that's why they're referring you out. So it sounds like you have a really good balance right now. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's good to hear from your perspective. So that's great. Awesome. So Cindy, while we have you, um, just sort of one last question. Is there anything that you would advise the people listening today? So what what did you try that that failed? Um, What would you recommend to them? What is your advice? So I think the biggest takeaway I got from doing the content marketing is have either yourself or a friend or your ideal client sit down and type out things that they Mm. would specifically search in Google. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like I, like, you know, I've had a lot of help over the years, but like one person in particular was like trying to do stuff from an employee perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. And we represent employers. So I don't, I don't, I know a bad fit for me is somebody who's typing in, can my boss make me wear a mask? That's not an ideal client for me. That's clearly an employee. And so doing that like a hundred times over of the types of clients you want to be getting, I think is, um, saves a lot of headache. Yeah. I, I really like that. That's an inexpensive hack for SEO, right? Because that's really what you're doing. You're trying to figure out what it is that people are going to search for in a search engine. And so you're just sitting down with people who actually represent your market and asking them how they find you and what they look for, as opposed to hiring an SEO professional, which can get very expensive and having them do this analysis for you, which you can do, right? I mean, we recommend that all the time, but it sounds like you really just started by yourself to test and see if it worked before you took that step. Right. And then just keep going, right? Yeah. <laughs> just post, post, post. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with content marketing, um, just keep going is uh, is really great advice. All right. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for joining today. This was really, really enlightening. And I'm so pleased about all of your success. And I wish you so much more. Thank you so much, Don. Same to Thanks. you. It's been so fun. <laughs> Take care. Bye, Cindy. Bye. Well, that's a wrap. If you enjoyed this episode of Marketing Made Easy by Jotful, please give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. That helps other people find out about the podcast so they too can grow their businesses. And hey, while you're there, if you're not yet a subscriber to this podcast, go ahead and click the subscribe button. That way, you'll never miss an episode. We keep the conversation going in Jotful's private Facebook group. And if you're a business owner, you're invited to join us. Just search for Jotful, that's J-O-T-T-F-U-L on Facebook and apply to join our group. 
There you can ask questions of the guests and exchange marketing tips with other business owners. From all of us here at Jotful, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I'll meet you on the next one.